Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. I am going to redo something. Okay. Miley Cyrus was caught shoplifting from Abercrombie and Fitch on Hollywood Boulevard today. The 19-year-old singer was caught on camera being escorted out of the store by security guards. The singer was wearing a black hoodie with the label Blurred Lines on the front and Fashion Police on the back. Scroll down for video. How much of that do you think was written by a human? Um, well, this is a little bit of a gimmick because I know that none of it was written by a human, but for the sake of stagecraft, I'll be like, oh, that sounds very natural to me. So 100%? Well, you're wrong on both accounts. The first sentence was hit, written by a human. Miley Cyrus was caught shoplifting from Abercrombie and Fitch on Hollywood Boulevard today. And all of the rest of it, and there's actually more that I didn't read, was written by GPT-2 which we're about to talk about. Sounds great. You're listening to Linear Digressions. Oh, I, I should have also told you she was carrying a pair of black and white striped gloves in a small black bag. And I could have read you a very interesting passage about some unicorns that were found by some scientists in the Andes that is also completely fabricated. What? I don't know. Can we I, just read I, I the mean... examples for this uh, podcast episode? Um, I think that's within the within the terms of fair use. Let me do one more of these. Yeah, because I think good. this actually is quite impressive. Here's here's the deal. Let me give a quick introduction, and so then you can see how the model is working. So, this model uh, was one that was built by the team at OpenAI, which is a consortium of of scientists who work primarily on projects that are open source, and they're funded through a bunch of grants and stuff like that. So they just go do pure research mostly. Um, and so some of the folks there work on natural language processing. And what they did was they built a model, very, very high dimensionality, lots and lots of parameters in this model. It was expensive to train. And it had a very large training corpus, which was basically 40 gigs worth of text from the internet. So all different genres, all different topics. And what they trained the algorithm to do was actually quite simple. So it was given a certain amount of prompt text. We want you to piecewise predict what the next word in the sequence is, and then you just continue to grow grow the um, kind of language generation out like that. So the reason I'm telling you all of this is that there's a human-generated prompt, which is the way that these passages generally would start, and then the model takes over. So with that as introduction, I'll read you another one. Here is a human-written prompt. In a shocking finding, scientists discovered a herd of unicorns living in a remote, previously unexplored valley in the Andes Mountains. Even more surprising to the researchers was the fact that the unicorns spoke perfect English. The rest of this is written by a computer. The scientists named the population after their distinctive horn, Ovid's Unicorn. These four-horned, silver-white unicorns were previously unknown to science. Now, after almost two centuries, the mystery of what sparked this odd phenomenon is finally solved. Dr. Jorge Perez, an evolutionary biologist from the University of La Paz, and several companions were exploring the Andes Mountains when they found a small valley with no other animals or humans. Perez noticed that the valley had what appeared to be a natural fountain surrounded by two peaks of rock and silver snow. And so on and so on. So wow. they, they, they go into the valley. They find a bunch of unicorns. You can tell this was written by a uh, robot because they said that the unicorns have four horns, which is not what a unicorn is. <laughs> you know, I almost stopped but... to ask, but I... <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's not perfect. It's not perfect. And, you, you know, parenthetically, so this is this is a very impressive system. You should be impressed by this. I am extremely um, impressed language by generation. this. Language generation. Yeah, yeah, language generation is, is hard to do. And the thing that's actually, I think, more interesting about about this model in general is that they didn't just use it to do language generation. They used it to do a bunch of different types of natural language processing tasks. So there's many different ways that you can assess how good a computer is at some kind of natural language processing task. It's like answering questions about the text. It can be stuff like translation. Um, It can be answering kind of conceptual type comprehension questions that are maybe not explicitly in the text, but that the a human could answer. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And anyway, the thing that's kind of cool about this model is that they trained it in this, you know, what's the next thing in the sequence kind of way, but it actually gives very strong results on a wide variety of natural language processing tasks, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, one thing that I didn't read about my Miley Cyrus example is that in the middle, it actually said, scroll down for video. I, I did notice that, and I was <laughs> laughing to myself a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would expect to see that in a... In, in a story about Miley Cyrus, that kind of website would say, scroll down for video. There's also a, a Lord of the Rings one, which is fantastic. And it's it's interesting to see the things that it, that it does really well and the things that it doesn't do as well. And actually, I was originally introduced to this um, this story and these results through a pretty great blog called Slate Star Codex. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, it's pretty good. And um, I'm just going to read a very short portion from the middle of this one that the, the prompt was Lord of the Rings related. And one of the sentences in it is, quote, I'll never forget it cried Gimli, who had been in the thick of the battle, but hadn't taken part in it. Which is, it's a really (laughs) interesting sentence, you know? Um, And so I I actually just want to read a a quick paragraph from the blog that I heard about this on, uh, which summarizes some interesting parts of this. It says, the big picture is beautiful. The AI understands the reference to Legolas and Gimli as placing this in the setting of Middle-earth. It infers that the story should include the characters like Aragorn and Gandalf and that the ring should show up. It maintains basic narrative coherence. The heroes attack, the orcs defend, a battle happens, the characters discuss the battle. It even gets the genre conventions right. The forces of good overcome evil, then then deliver inspiring speeches about glory and bravery. But the details are a mess. Characters are brought in suddenly, then dropped for no reason. Important details, like this is the last battle in Middle-earth, are introduced without explanation, then ignored. The context switches midway between the battle and a seemingly unrelated discussion of hobbits in Revendell. It cannot seem to decide whether there are one or two rings. So similar to the unicorn with four horns thing, like it, it gets the horn detail right, but it gets the number wrong. Yeah, so the thing that's kind of funny about some of these generation things is, like, I think you made a, you, you raise a good point, which is there's all these things that are a little bit off, but they're they're subtle or they're things that are hard to quantify, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, well, I don't know, maybe there's somebody somewhere who can quantify that kind of thing, but something that's comparable that you can quantify, and where this algorithm actually does pretty well this is just kind of an aside, is um, these questions called the Winograd Schema Challenge. Have you ever heard of this? I've never heard of that. Okay. 
So it's basically like a Turing test, but a Turing test, like the general premise is that you're having a conversation with either a computer or a person and you can't tell whether it's a human or, or a computer. Right. So if a computer Bas- passes Turing the test. Turing test, then the then a person can't tell if they're talking to a human or a computer. Right. So the Winograd schema challenge is kind of like a Turing test. And the general idea is that there are questions that you would ask a computer that the computer would probably get wrong, but that a human would generally get right. So an example of this is uh, you might say something like, the trophy would not fit in the brown suitcase because it was too big. What was too big? Was it the trophy or the suitcase? Mm, the suitcase. No. And now you've learned something about me. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was the trophy. The trophy was too big to fit in the suitcase. Right, right. Or another good example is yes, no question. Uh, could a crocodile run a steeplechase? A steeplechase? Yeah, I've... which is basically a race that's got hurdles in it. Oh, uh, uh, no. No, because it's got short little legs. Yeah. Uh, but this is. But I is, mean, their you know, tails the... are pretty intense. Like, they, it, I mean, I don't know. The answer is no. I think they're pretty solidly ground ground lizards. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the point of the Winograd Schema Challenge is it's a series of questions like this, you know, yes, no questions, ob- objectively, you know, true, false, and like, or multiple choice. like what is choice. the it in the sentence? Exactly. You know, you might, have, you might have a sentence where there's a pronoun with two possible antecedents and you have to infer from context which mm-hmm. of the antecedents makes more sense. Um, but this is an example of something that is starting to get a little bit more into the subtleties of language but where this algorithm does quite well really yeah so So, with the suitcase example then that would imply that it understands what in means well yeah i mean it's always a little tricky when you start saying things like it understands yeah yeah and actually there's I uh, I think that the blog author at Slate Star Co- uh, Codex has been thinking about this too because uh, he wrote a pretty great explanation or a, a great exploration of like if an AI understands that when water splashes you get wet, does it understand what water is? Or if children understand uh, what water is from learned experience, do they understand the chemical structure of water? Like what is understanding? But that's a total digression. That's an intense digression. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to know. I'm reluctant to use words like understand, but like, does it get questions right? Like, yeah, it gets a fair number of questions right. Now, it doesn't get, for the Winograd Schema Challenge, for example, it gets something like 60-some percent of them correct, whereas uh, a human might get more than 90%. Okay. Um, the passages that we read out loud to you are some of the ones that are more impressive. I think something like half of the passages that were generated by this algorithm were nonsense. So uh, it's in, the, the high points are quite high, but it's not like the algorithm is universally demonstrating artificial general intelligence or anything mm, like this. Got it. Now, one thing that I think is, is kind of attention getting about this, number one, we just, of course, we're nerds and we like to just follow up on these kinds of things in general. But this one got a fair, this algorithm got a fair amount of attention in like the popular press because OpenAI did something which is generally not how they do things. So I mentioned up front that they're an organization that part of their charter, if I'm not mistaken, is that they try to open source the things that they built for 
anyone and everyone to use. It seems like that given that their name is OpenAI. Indeed. But this algorithm, they have some real concerns about what would happen if they were to actually do that. And so they have interestingly declined to actually make the model available. And they have a a smaller version that doesn't work quite as well. It's a little bit simpler that uh, you can access through, I, I assume, like their GitHub page or whatever. But, mm. you know, there were some uh, there were some headlines about how the the artificial intelligence algorithm was too dangerous to release. Is that your read on it? That because they didn't release it, they thought it was too dangerous to release? Well, that that's the reason that they gave. Oh, that's re- okay. They said that. Yeah. I mean, who knows? There may be some marketing considerations that are going into this, but let's take mm. them at their word. I think okay. that's fair. You know, the concern here is that, especially in an age of uh, computer-generated, potentially fake news, or Mm. you might have heard about deep fakes, which is these images that can be generated by computers now that can show anything. It looks like a Um, real face, but it's not actually a person's. It's not a real person's face. Or you can take a real person's face and, like, put it on somebody else's body, which is... I mean, I've been doing that for years in Photoshop. I've been doing that for (laughs) a really long time, but... (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if, if computers were doing it at a scale, maybe that much more, yeah, that much more upsetting, or they could do it in video or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, the general idea here is that if you have an algorithm that you just give it a single line of prompt, and then it can spew out uh, like large quantities of coherent text, then that could be actually really dangerous. That could be a, a generator for, uh, you know, misinformation campaigns and, mm-hmm that kind of thing incredibly and so cheaply of, yes yes you don't have to have people sitting there writing your scammy content or yeah you're you're generating your fake news or whatever you can have computers sit there and do it you know this reminds me of spam emails and how you used to get spam in the mail but it would cost them a cent each to send out the spam to to your mailing address or whatever and they had to get your mailing address and all that but but like spam emails, you can send out 10,000 emails or 100,000 emails for a cent. I might be getting the numbers off by an order of magnitude, but the point is it's incredibly cheap, um, whereas sending out mailers is, is almost cost prohibitive. And so if you make something like generating fake news that much cheaper, how is that going to change the, the landscape? It's not just going to be a, a simple linear scaling thing. I think it would actually actually fundamentally change the landscape of fake news and and how all of this is being uh, consumed and and taken and i I don't know yeah it's it's terrifying yeah potentially yeah i could see a lot of a lot of ways that this could be abused and i think the the folks at OpenAI have a similar set of concerns and uh so they have um i believe what they're doing right now is they're you know they're keeping the model embargoed if you have thoughts or comments on this um there is a place where you can send it to them uh so we'll i'll put a link to the uh the blog post that they have and there's also a an academic paper that they've released so in general you you can get descriptions of the model itself and you know i don't get the sense that there's a lot of trickery about what they've done or how it works it's just you can't get the trained model and you can't get the training set the 40 gigs or so of internet text. So that would be the other place where um, Mm, you would probably have some trouble if you were trying to reproduce this. 
And so maybe in six months or so, once they've had a chance to sit on it a little bit longer, maybe study the algorithm some more, there will be an update to this. But in the meantime, we have this very intriguing algorithm, the the algorithm that is too dangerous to release, and a bunch of (laughs) novelty passages about unicorns and the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, perhaps this is getting too philosophical for for either this podcast or certainly for this episode because we've been going for a little while. But um, it just it makes me it reminds me of uh, nuclear weapons research and and the whole the calculus around do we like does one make a weapon like this or make a technology that can be abused like this? available knowing that eventually someone else will make it and make it available it's an interesting question and it, it's it's uh it's hard well, it's hard to know what to think in terms of like social responsibility and and all of this stuff yeah that's a really good point and it's you know it's just it's so hard to know too when you're working on some of these things it can be totally un unforeseen uh yeah. how people will use it five or ten or however many years down the road. So in the meantime, we have (laughs) this interesting result and a little bit of thinking to do as we always do, but it's a really great, really great few blog posts and and papers and stuff that we'll have to post here. Um, You know, very well, well written stuff usually coming out of open AI and this is no exception. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, stay responsible out there, I guess. (laughs) I have to say, I'm pretty disappointed that they didn't release an entire book of Lord of the Rings fanfic. Like yet. That oh yet. yet. <laughs> They're holding on to it. That would just that would be amazing. Do that with uh, Harry Potter, do that with Lord of the Rings. I would read that. I I I wouldn't read that. I wouldn't read that because I haven't read the Lord of the Rings yet. So I should probably read the Lord of the Rings first, but Yeah, same. I would start with the classics, but then if you're really if you you get through the original, you get through all the fanfic, you're really jonesing for some more. Oh, you know what we could do? What? If George R. R. Martin never manages to actually finish Game oh, of Thrones, we could have one of these finished Game of Thrones for us. I mean, yeah. I don't really care about that because I haven't been reading or watching Game of Thrones, but I, I know that you care a bit more than I do. I've been watching it. I haven't, so I'm going to be fine. But for all those people who are like really into the books, this could be... Mm, that's not a terrible idea. You take one of these things, you pre-train it on your like 40 gigs of internet or whatever, and then you, you do a little bit of fine-tuning uh-huh. on Game of Thrones, Song of Fire and Ice. Ooh, I think we have I think we have a money-making opportunity here. I too bad too bad we don't have the algorithm. I yeah right. But I mean you know we we have a podcast about data science and machine learning. Maybe someone listens and, and works on it. I mean here's here's what I'm interested in. You can, I, I think it's called, there's, Amazon has a service, and actually there are a number of transcription services. We could, tra- we could transcribe all of our podcasts and then generate new podcasts. We've been doing this for years. Ooh. I mean, like, you That's know, both idea. of us don't have a lot of time. If we just yeah, need to I'm, take a break for a yeah. week, you know, we could get some voice actors. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of, like... I mean, if we can have a, a generative written language model, I don't see why we couldn't have a generative speech model. Yeah, I can't even imagine the nonsense it would spew out. 
just do like I'm really curious though puns over and over and over again. So yeah, that would be fun. If any of you wonderful listeners, if any of you are from OpenAI, please get in touch with us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, can we have can we have your artificial intelligence to do our homework for us? Please, yes, thanks. That'd be great. Please, thank you. It makes book right. reports. There, there's there's one that's a book report. It's in the style of a book report. The possibilities are endless here. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.